Congratulations, you made it to the X-Fill. You can sit back, relax, unpack your bags, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey there, Mike, a.k.a. MTB Trigger here, and with me as always is my co-host Ronald, a.k.a. Eric. If you are brand new, welcome. This is an Escape from Tarkov podcast where we talk about all things EFT, and our goal is to get better at the game, and we hope you come along with us for that journey. This week, we are going to break down patch 12.10. Now that it's live, everyone's had a chance to log in and start playing We're going to talk about what works, talk about what we think is kind of weird and what kind of how the direction the game is going and maybe how things are going to change and just some of the things that we think are cool. All right, guys, let's get hideout keeping out of the way really quick. Got a couple announcements this week. We did add a section into Discord, and I want to explain this just a little bit because it may seem like it's really similar to the looking for group channel or the LFG channels. But we added an available to help section. A couple people have gone in and kind of put their almost their like, I don't want to say ad, but they've put their like schedule out as when someone could reach out to them. That isn't exactly what I had in mind when I created it, but that could work. So if you're somebody that likes to help people out when they ask, you can definitely put that in there. What this is there for is let's say randomly on a Thursday night, your normal squad isn't on, but you want to help out. Like you just want to spend a couple hours helping people get tasks done or helping people learn a loot run or whatever it is. The available to help section is where someone can go and look or go and post and say, hey, I'm available from nine central tonight to midnight central and I'm willing to help with these things or I'm willing to help with anything or whatever. It's just for you to help somebody else out and you can put specifics. You can just say, hey, I'll be an extra team member. I'll be a body shield, whatever it is. Just a little bit different than looking for group shoreline. It's somebody that maybe is more experienced in one specific aspect of the game and they're interested in helping on that time block. So just know that that's there. You can definitely put when you're available for someone to reach out. I don't really care how it gets used, but I wanted everybody to know about it. And the other announcement is I just cannot say enough how pumped I am about the surveys. We're going to start going over those next week. Rottle and I had talked about a goal for how many of these we wanted to see back. And the survey has been up for a little over 24 hours now. And we've already hit that goal. So you guys are nuts. I cannot wait to go over this. I've already seen some awesome responses and My mind's already been blown on a few of the different questions, so cannot wait to share that stuff. If you're hearing this right now, you probably have about 24 to 36 hours before that survey shuts down because we will be shutting it down the night before we record the next episode. So this usually goes out on Sunday or Monday, and we've been recording on Tuesday recently. So just know that it's going to shut down. If you click into the survey and it's not accepting a response, that's because we've shut down the responses because we want to get 
the data as it is leading up to that show so we can present it to you guys. And we're just excited about that. So that's all I've got for hideout keeping. What do you got for us, Ronald? Well, first of all, before we get into that, I just want to say thank you again for participating in the survey. It means a lot to us to talk to the community, to find out what the community is doing. We want to create things for you that are relevant. We want to talk to everyone kind of where they're at. And so I just wanted to highlight that, say thank you again for participating in the survey. We're really excited about the series that's going to come out of this. And I'm just super excited. Didn't want to let that moment pass without saying thank you from me as well. But this week, I finally made it to 40. And so I can play the game. It's great. I can kind of play the game now. It's nice having the traders unlocked, and it's nice to see what all level four traders look like for the first time. And building guns is a bit more convenient now than it used to be, but it's still kind of the same game at 40, but it's going better. So this week, pushing past that level 39 with a few tasks, but mostly just playing the game and racking up some kills with you in Factory, racking up some other kills on Shoreline with a Mosin, just generally playing the game. It was a good time and definitely made my major milestone uh, for the wipe about what I would consider to be about halfway through. So I'm pretty excited about that. How about you? That's awesome, man. It's it's cool to hear you get there. And I know it's really recent at the time of this recording, but it's pretty cool that you set that goal out. You hit it. We're about halfway through the wipe. So It'll be interesting to hear how you enjoy it or how that progresses. So that's really cool. For my week, though, I I have a confession to make. I died. I died on factory. You shot me (laughs) right in the head. (laughs) (laughs) I did. I did not shoot your helmet, though. So I was able to get it back to you. And in my defense, I got all of your gear out, fixed it, reloaded it, and gave it back to you the next raid. But yes. Yes, I, in an effort to get better at close quarters PvP, shot you as you were wandering around staring at the floor looking for mags that you dropped while I was engaging <laughs> two PMCs in the office. And you this just. Is, this is a great story. It's a just, great story. And you just happened to wander into the intensely chaotic situation. <laughs> Well, it's, you know what, it's actually a phenomenal story because a bunch of stuff happened, a bunch of bad stuff happened, but some really great things happened in the process too. So I I, want to break this one down because this last week for me, factory is home, factory is life. I'm back. I am just loving playing factory again. Now that the Punisher tournament qualifiers are over, it's kind of back to normal. You get a good mix of, you know, really geared players and just your regular people trying to figure it out. So it's been a lot of fun. So this particular raid, though, we spawned on my least favorite side, which is Gate Zero. Gate Zero? Yes, Gate Zero. Which is Gate Zero. And we spawn at Gate Zero. We rush up to the office area. There was a PMC who was on the rafters, actually, that distracted us. So we're running up the little second story metal stairs, and all of a sudden we start getting shot at from the right hand side. We find him. This guy's up in the rafters. Ronald calls him out. He's like, he's up top. He throws a grenade at us. I throw a grenade at this guy. And then I hear footsteps coming from the office. So I make the call out to Ronald and I said, we got a problem. The guys are pushing from the office side. I'm going to go that way. 
And I didn't know what Ronald was going to do at this point. I just knew that we had enemies pushing us from the left and we had a guy in the rafters to the right. And I knew that if I move, the guy from the right can't do anything to me except for the lob grenades, which he continued to do the whole time, which is why it was so chaotic. So I push in to the second story of the office staircase closest to gate zero. Ronald actually was coming up behind me. And the second I got into the staircase, the door to the bathroom, the locker room opened up and the guy had the KS-23 with star rounds and he blinded me full blind. And I said, I'm blind. I can't see anything. And I hit my shift key and just started running around. I reloaded. I had no idea where I was. And I hear Ronald go, I got him. He's dead. And I said, I have no idea where I am. I'm reloading and I'm performing surgery, (laughs) right? So I'm now blind. Ronald's killed a guy and I don't know where I'm at. The other guy from the rafter is still throwing grenades at us. So I end up being at the bottom of the stairs when I'm able to start figuring out where I'm at. So I proceed to go into the little concrete area next to the weapons crate just above the basement stairs there start to repack mags, start to reload, perform surgery, heal up. Ronald's like, hey, I'm on the second story. I'm holding another guy in the locker room. Give me comms. Okay, so I give him comms. I get fixed up and I realize that I only have two magazines left. And I had dropped two in the process of running away from the KS-23 star round guy. So all the while, grenades are going off. There's a guy voice lining in the locker room. So Ronald can hear that. I can't. We still have to deal with the guy on the rafters. So Ronald's listening to all of this. And I say, hey, I need to get my mags. I'm under you. And I'm going to be working around the staircase. Now, keep in mind, grenades are going off. The guy's voice lining. So I make my way back into this staircase. And I find one mag on the staircase. And I see the other one. And I'm walking up to loot it. Because on my Discord stream, or rather Ronald's Discord stream, I can see where he's holding. And I know he's right above me. So I go to pick up that discarded magazine and I get just destroyed. And I'm like, oh, I don't know where he's at. And I look over and I see Ronald staring down at my dead corpse. I'm like, you shot me. And he's like, that was you. I didn't know you were there. Then it was like, I need to be quiet because I'm dead. He's still holding that area. There's two enemies. So I'll let you pick it up from there. You dirty, dirty murderer. (laughs) (laughs) so after that happened i threw a grenade into the bathroom area and i killed the guy who was he was memeing in the bathroom i got that guy and i picked up all of your stuff and i was like okay i'm just gonna reset with all of your stuff that was the goal right so i'm on my way out and i run into the last pmc in the breezeway We kill him, we just loot him, and then we make our way down and end up killing two more scavs. And then a player scav spawn, and they start running around chasing me. And I end up getting out of gate three, the normal extract, because I kind of stuck in that corner. And I end up getting out with all of your gear, like I said before. Fixed it all up, loaded, loaded everything back up, and then we swapped in the next raid and got it back. Now, the interesting thing and why that kind of happened is there was grenades going off constantly. I'm engaged, right? Like, I know where that PMC is. I'm holding the corner. He's yelling and memeing. His buddy is trying to lob grenades because they think that I'm in a slightly different spot than I actually am. 
And this whole thing is kind of going crazy, right? Grenades are going off above me. You're below me somewhere. And I and I, when I looked over at the Discord stream, you were way off above the concrete, way over there above the stairway. So I'm like, okay, trigger's safe. I'm going to lock these guys down and maybe get them before we go and continue on with the raid, right? You did say, hey, I'm coming over. And you did tell me that. It just didn't register, right? Because I'm locking down two guys and I, you're safe. And I'm like, okay. And here we go. And, and it's interesting, right? You just, I saw someone coming up the steps and I shot him. You hit a great shot. And I'm not, you, you and I'm not sorry about it. Me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sorry about it because <laughs> it is what it is. And I didn't even break your helmet. So I'm going to call this precision, precision shot up the steps. I didn't break your face shield. Didn't damage any of that because we looked afterwards and uh, it was a team kill, but I'm still not sorry about it. Factory is a mess. It's a crazy mess of PvP in the beginning, and it kind of is like that on purpose. Well, and I like working back the story, right? Because I don't think you intentionally left out some detail, but for me, after I died and watching you get out of the raid and then piecing things back together, we realized that a guy that shot you, right? You took a pretty severe thorax shot, but you had the TV 110 on and it protected you enough from whatever bullets that guy had in his Mosin to not black it out and not kill you. So we were talking about the Corand versus the TV 110, but then we realized that that was probably the teammate that you were working on in the locker room or one of that guy's teammates. We didn't know how many because it got crazy. And that he was probably trying to get the Mosin kills in the factory, you know, the close range Mosin kills by using the KS-23 on a buddy to flash the enemy. And then he was just come in and, you know, kill the guy who's cowering in the corner. But fortunately, I had a teammate behind me who, <laughs> who dumpstered the guy with the, with the flashbang shotgun and then held the position and then just, be, you know, you became a murderer. It's fine. But 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 it's the thing that I love about not just Factory, but Tarkov, because as I'm watching and then thinking back on that raid now, it's just a crazy story that can't really happen anywhere else. I mean, to run out of that spawn point, to have that other guy sprint up those metal stairs, be in the rafters already shooting at us and nading us. And there was so much going on in that stairwell. We didn't know where the grenades were coming in. So we kind of got lucky and avoided those. But then the lights kind of fall out and they make that kind of sparking noise and that little tinkering noise. So we've got voice lining, two sets of footsteps, the lights going in and out, grenades going on and off. We have two PMCs in different locations and then we were in different locations. So there's four sets of footsteps that we're worrying about. Gunfire, scabs coming in. It was crazy. And somehow... You got out of there with all of my gear and killed everything else on the map and then realized that you didn't have your factory key, so you had to go to gate three. I mean, it was a crazy five minutes on factory, and that's all it was. It was so fast, chaotic, and amazing. It was awesome. It's the second time this week, actually, that um, the first time you died, not by me, but by somebody else, and I cleared the lobby and farmed the map, and then this time... Obviously, I shot you and then I cleared the rest of the lobby and cleared the map. And I actually am okay with how this is progressing because I've gotten quite a bit better at Tarkov (laughs) than I was a year ago. It's really interesting how that kind of works. There are just certain situations that maybe if you had another thousand hours, it would be better or different. But the truth is, 
with that many variables going on, it's hard. It's hard. Tarkov is an unforgiving game in that way. And I didn't think that you'd be plodding around like an old man in a nursing home looking for your uh, Meg up coming up the steps, staring straight down like that. It was that. 7 and 31, dude. I was not leaving it. <laughs> but I just, uh, again, you know, wasn't expecting that exactly. <laughs> I should have known because all I saw, I saw first was the couch, <laughs> the sectional that you have in the back as you go into Always. factory. And uh, <laughs> I should I should have known. But yeah, there's another piece to the story too. Earlier in the week, I didn't shoot when I thought it was you and it wasn't you. And I died in the breezeway. So I was in the breezeway on a different raid. I thought it was you and I didn't shoot. And I had the guy in my sights and he turned and shot me. And you're like, oh, no, no, I'm actually down the hallway a little. I'm like, oh, well, I'm dead. <laughs> it doesn't change the fact that you're a murderer, but... <laughs> no, we. I mean, after it happened, right? You're like, ah, oh, dude, what? I you feel bad, whatever. And I'm like, no, like you took the shot, you used the info you had, of which there was a ton, and yeah, you, I mean, you got my gear out, you killed everybody on the map, and you survived, and I got my stuff back. Like that's best case scenario coming out of a chaotic five people in one area and player scabs coming in after that. Like it was a phenomenal raid. Like no, I don't like getting shot by my teammate. But I would say we won that map. Like, one of us survived, got all of the gear out, and the only thing I lost was my couch bag that you took, and I had to use a pilgrim because when you brought it back in, you gave me a smaller bag, and I'm resentful. And I took all of the gear of the guy who shot you. He didn't get anything back. I took everything (laughs) all the way down to his face covering. So (laughs) there was no insurance return for that. So not only did I avenge your original... Uh, your your original issue that you had with the flashbang, and by the way, stopped you from dying there, just toying with you enough so that I could have my way in the steps. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Yep, crazy raid, and, that, and that's factory. That's why we love it. That's honestly why we play it so much. And can you imagine how much fun factory is going to be when there's a raid boss or a scav boss in oh, factory? I cannot wait, man. I can't wait, and I could just speculate and just sit here and think and talk about factory just all night. But we have a brand new patch, which is why we were playing. We actually waited a day to record so that we could jump into the new patch and see what we could see. We didn't see everything, but we did see some of the new stuff, so we want to talk about it. So by the time you hear this, the patch is going to be a few days old, but we're uh, we're pretty fresh on it and we're excited to chat about it. So let's uh, let's jump into patch 12.10. We're just going to kind of go line by line, and like I said, some of this we've seen, some we haven't, but I want to dig into it. So we are going to start right from the top. So in this patch, they've added new voices for the scab bosses for Rishala, Sanitar, and Glucar. They actually had some professional recordings done for them. It was kind of an interesting thing. Nikita talked about in the dev podcast that they actually had some professional voice actors come in. So this should be interesting to see what they actually all sound like. I guess they swear more in Russian. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, we so we were mostly on factory, so didn't didn't run into these guys yet, but I, I think this is actually really cool because sometimes it was hard to tell if the scav boss was there, especially Rishala. This is something I ran into when I was hunting him down. You know, I'd throw a grenade into his spawn locations to see if he was there. 
And sometimes you'd hear a voice line and be like, was that a scav or is that the guards? Oh, it's the guards run. You know, so it was always interesting. So hopefully this gives maybe a little clear indication uh, specifically on Rashala. So I'm excited to hear it and see what it what it sounds like. Yep, me too. I'm also excited to see what the new scav like actions and sounds and things for just the normal scav raiders and scav bots that spawn. Kind of excited to fight them and see what they do. Hopefully they are a little bit more interactive. They already are pretty good at lasering you. I mean, they're pretty good at locking onto your one pixel <laughs> of vulnerability in your headshot already. But um, I guess it'd be interesting to see in practice what all that actually means. Yeah, and I actually really like this. This is a pretty low-key line on the patch where it says new actions and conditions. And I think this is something that Battlestate can continue to do and just make the encounters a little different over time and change them up from time to time because it is ultimately AI and they do act predictably some ways. So just changing that up can make it feel really new and like a fresh encounter. So this is neat. I'm glad they're doing this, not just the voice, but they're also changing up how the raiders and minions around them act. So I think this is really cool. I'm excited to see if it's noticeable or if it's maybe a little more subtle. Same. Can't wait. So yeah, then in addition to that, they added uh, new clothing for Usec Bear and Scavs. So we'll be seeing some new clothing options in the game. Yep. And there's a whole bunch of new equipment. So a bunch of new chest rigs, tack rigs, vests. One interesting one that we ran into already that I thought was cool is the Umka. Basically a scav vest that you're going to find on your scavs, but it has a four slot in it, like a four slot. So you can put a helmet or a drill or, you know, something or like a set of tools, something like that, right? So you can be scabbing right. and pick that up. I think that is going to be, that's going to be kind of big. Yeah. And then they also added the slick plates now come in olive and tan. When I originally read this, I was thinking about it like, who cares why? <laughs> right. It's just another armor, another thing. But I always looked at the slick as being the black armor. It's really good in resort, factory, probably labs where there's a little more shadow, there's a little more corridor type stuff. And the most interesting about this is I actually wonder if people will consciously pick olive and tan slicks when they go into the maps that have more wooded terrain. I mean, it's a minor little thing. I am not a, like, <laughs> I, I don't know enough about camouflage to really speak to this, but there may be some distinct advantages for which slick you pick on a map. So I think this is more interesting than just, oh, they added some new colors of the armor. It may make sense to actually pick certain armor colors for the maps, which is not something I really do. But as I read over, like, why would they add this? It makes me think that I should probably pay more attention to the armor that I'm putting on based on the map that I'm going to play. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be interesting to see. I, I haven't used a lot of slicks, to be honest with you, up to this point. So I'm kind of paying attention to this one to kind of see what, uh, what this really ends up being. You mean you don't like walking around with a million rubles on your back? <laughs> you know, I don't really see the point with when a TV 110 absorbs just as much. So it's kind of an odd situation, but that's for another show coming up here uh, when we get into game design. Can't wait to talk about that stuff. So same. All right. So we got some backpacks. We got the ballistic glasses, which are kind of interesting, right? So it's a glasses slot that gives you some ricochet protection for your eyes. Not a lot. 
but enough where it might actually protect you from maybe a scav getting a little bit cheeky breaky with you. Yeah, those are uh, class one armor glasses with a low ricochet chance. I unintentionally tried to test these, but did not successfully get the glasses hit. But I did have a shotgun player scav destroy one of my face masks, but none of the slugs or buckshot got through the face shield and hit the glasses, even though I was wearing them. So I am curious to see if, you know, does the face shield and the glasses, is it two layers of protection or is it one or the other? I don't know. I I think this might be just like a peace of mind thing. Like, I'm not going to get head eyes by buckshot now or something. I don't know. But <laughs> I definitely foresee this just becoming something that, you know, when you have them, you wear them just for that additional peace of mind. Yep, absolutely. Especially if they become super common, you can pick them off scabs. Why wouldn't you just throw them on? There's a new contact headset, the Opsman Earmore M32. We actually found one of those today, too, when we were playing. So that's kind of interesting. It's uh, just another headset. There's a new gas mask, which is kind of just more cosmetic, but it looks kind of very, uh, very Soviet, very Tarkovian. And of course, there's um, army caps and whatever colors, camouflage, different things like that. But that's new equipment. And they also added some new items. So they added three new items, specifically the emergency water ration, the hemostatic tourniquet, and the AFAK personal tactical first aid kit. So I did not encounter the hemostatic tourniquet or the personal tactical first aid kit, but I did find an emergency water ration in the power station of interchange on a scav run right before we recorded. This is pretty neat. It's a one-slot item. It restores 50 hydration and 5 energy, and it takes one slot. Again, it's just a really powerful one-slot item. So this could be one of those things you end up seeing in a lot of players' bags. Right now, it was selling for 17 to 20k, so a good thing to pick up and sell if you need the money. I also could see this becoming a staple for the the bigger maps that you might end up seeing in, in players' in players' bags when you loot them. So keep an eye out for that one. Uh, did you happen to see the hemostatic tourniquet or the first aid kit, the new one? I haven't seen either one of them yet. Just read about them. The hemostatic tourniquet itself is pretty interesting. Single use, three seconds, stops a heavy bleed, I believe. And so that's going to be an interesting item to use. It's fast, which I really like. The new AFAC personal kit that's in is interesting because it's 400 health. So it's 170 to stop a heavy bleed and 30 to stop a light bleed, and it's a three-second use. So that actually is pretty cool because you could get two heavy bleed uses out of that particular AFAC. So I'm actually kind of excited to try that and play around with that. Yeah, and that one's going to be nice because the IFAC right now, if you have a heavy bleed and you use that to stop the heavy bleed, plus the healing it does, it basically murders your IFAC. So this will be interesting. It's going to be one to play around with. Yeah, absolutely. There's some new ammo coming in the game, which is interesting. Basically, all the 5.56 ammo got a reskin or got an updated skin or got updated pixels associated with them. I'm not sure exactly what that means as far as anything specific to look for, but just take a look at your 5.56. It might look a little bit different in your inventory. The new 7.62 by 3.9 ammo, the MAI AP, 
has 46 damage and 58 pen. And this is going to be crazy because right now BP is 58 damage and 47 pen. And we were talking about this before we actually clicked record tonight on the show because this is going to be huge for us as we play in Factory. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think the new 76239 ammo is probably going to become used faster than the other ones. And you'll talk about all the stats, but the new 556 ammo is not a huge upgrade over M995, but it is an upgrade. But this one's a pretty big deal. I think BP or 762x39 wasn't being used as often because the 47 penetration on BP wasn't as high as you can get on some of the ammo types as cheaply. Where that really matters is going to be against class 6 armors. So we could see the 7.62x39 caliber guns be used a lot more, especially because they have some big magazines as well. So it wouldn't surprise me to see a lot more 7.62x39 running this AP ammo. And I'm sure all these new ammos are going to be expensive for a while. I'm excited to try this out because I, I sort of shied away from 76239, especially doing the Punisher tournament qualifications, because I knew I was going to be running into slicks and higher tier armor. BP just wasn't quite punching through as much as you need it to when you're running into those top geared players. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it does against that, because we're used to running you know, MP7s or something, you know, something, an SMG of some kind that's just a bullet hose, you know, in factory. And if we can be competitive with a 7.62, it's going to be interesting to see how that works. We got a new 5.56, couple new 5.56, but the first one I think is kind of interesting because it may displace M995 as the king. So it's this new SSA AP, so 56 pen, 36 HP compared to M995, which is 53 pen and 40 hit points. I think that this is going to be either similarly priced or right around the same price. Either way, this is going to be very similar in effectiveness as M995, which means that it's going to make everything overall cheaper. Or one of them will get super expensive and you can just use the other one. So I think that's going to be kind of interesting if you're used to running a gun, if you like a gun that runs 5.56 by 4.5. Yeah, this this will be interesting to see if it actually gets used. It kind of runs the same sort of concept as 7N31 versus AP on the 9 mil stuff, but 7N31 gets ran a lot, even though AP was really good. Uh, 7N31's much better, but you still see a lot of AP being run through those guns. So I am curious. I, I would imagine on labs, this will probably become the new standard, but on other maps, I don't know, because... I regularly see M855A1, which is a very good ammo type. Still, right? Not everyone runs M995 because it is a very expensive round, and foreseeably this one's going to be even more, especially early on. I'm sure that there's not going to be ton found in raid right away, so it'll probably be pretty pricey to get your hands on right now. Yeah, and anything that's new will be excited. People will want to use that. So it actually could be the opposite. It could be an opportunity to stock up on M995. Yeah, and and one thing too that you mentioned was the reskin on the ammo. This is actually really interesting on the 556 ammo because there was no way to tell it apart before, but now if you look in the bottom of a mag, you can actually see the different tips on the ammo. So there are some players out there that will double click on a magazine on a gun and rotate it and look at the ammo 
and be able to quickly tell if it's worth them unloading or taking that mag because you can tell the ammo type. And now I believe if you see a black tip, I think it is on 5.56, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a black tip 5.56 cartridge suggests either M995 or the AP. And then if you see red tip or anything else, it's not as good of ammo. So I, I'm, I don't do this. I unload around and check. But there are a lot of players that you'll see, especially some people that have been playing a long time, that will double click a magazine, rotate the picture of it and look at the ammo type, which is a faster way than unloading and reloading. So just know that that's why it was done. And you can actually tell the difference between 5.56 ammo types now. Yeah, it's kind of cool. I didn't know that. That's pretty neat. There's the last 5.56 ammo type of MK318 Mod 0. So this is a 21 pen, 65 flesh, so 65 HP. So it's a lot lower pen, but it's pretty high flesh damage. So this is kind of an interesting ammo. And I wonder, is this going to be like the new leg meta, do you think? Or like, where do you think a good use case is for this? Oh gosh, I so I have never actively tried flesh damage rounds. I've done a little bit of buckshot, but I've said it before and I'll say it again, I really just don't like shotguns. They're not my favorite. So I kind of burn through those tasks as quickly as I can. So I've never really tried to shoot out limbs. I don't know. I I guess that's what this could be used for. I I'm just kind of a chest shot or headshot kind of FPS player just from my background. I guess it could find a spot there, but it's pretty comparable to M856. I mean, it's got a little lower pen and higher flesh damage, but if there was already a slot for flesh damage on 5.56, we would be seeing a lot more 8.56, I think, and you really don't. So I, I don't know. To be honest, this one just, I don't know. I don't, maybe, maybe it was just they want to have a certain number of rounds per assault rifle caliber and they needed one in there, and this is it, I don't know. I, I guess I don't see this being actively used, except for if it becomes available from a trader, and I don't know when it's available on the traders. Maybe it's slotted well, like maybe it's like Peacekeeper level one or proper level one or wherever it comes from, and I'm realizing I didn't look this up before the show, but maybe it becomes available early enough to be a good pick when you can actually buy it, when you unlock that trader, or maybe it's unlocked right from the beginning. I don't know. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I never found the flesh meta or whatever you want to call it. I never found that play style, shooting at legs, really that engaging or interesting. So I'm not sure. I didn't really use much of M856, so I, I, I'm not really sure. But it's there, so it's part of the notes. So. <laughs> we also have some new guns out there. We have the STM9 pistol caliber. We also have the PL-15 pistol. There's uh, a couple people got to mess around with this. The STM, rumor has it that you can actually get this thing to 100 on the ergo scale. So I haven't tested out building one of these yet, but I saw some people uh, messing around with these in Discord and saying you can get extremely high ergo values on it. So I, I'm excited to mess around with these, but I haven't seen one yet, and I'm sure I can get them from a trader or something, but I didn't try. So I'm excited to mess with this, though. Yep, and there's no full auto. That's why it's a semi-auto gun only. It's not like the other SMGs where you can go full auto. So it's basically like a fancy Saiga, more or less, but it's single, single shot only, and that's why you can get the ergo so high. Should be interesting to play with. I think that'll be fun to try out, yeah. 
Absolutely. And the PL-15 pistol is kind of cool because it has 16-round magazines. Yeah, and I think that's why people have really started using the shrimp, as everybody likes to call it, because those have 18-round mags on them. So, yeah, cool. It'll be fun to mess with these. Yep. So we have some new barter items. We have TP-200, which is used for a craft for grenades. We have our ratchet wrench, which I believe is used in a graphics card craft. And we have a can of thermite, which I believe is used in another grenades craft. So those are new barter items. You'll see them when you're scabbing or, you know, pick them up in crates or wherever your local barter items are found. (laughs) (laughs) There's a new filter in your stash too, speaking of barter items, that you can actually do items that are only found in raid, which I think is great. It's about time they did that. (laughs) Oh man, that's great actually. And that's going to be just on one of those sidebars, which I don't use very often. I think the only sidebar filter that I use really is the trader one on traders. So this may actually get me to use one on my stash. So that's kind of cool. I'm going to check this out. Maybe it's one I'll actually use because normally I don't click on them. So we'll see. Yep, I'm for sure going to use that because after a night of, you know, just getting a bunch of random things, whether it's scabbing or whatever, and then you have to go through and, you know, figure it all out, man, it's going to be super convenient. But I think that's pretty good. There's a new feature in the quest log that you can now sort your quests by location. So I guess that would mean by current location is what the notes say, but I'm guessing that means that you can sort quests that are on certain maps. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I guess when I originally read this, I thought it was going to be just like you could sort it by location, but the patch notes actually says current location, and I didn't look into this. So I wonder if that just means like if you're on a map, you can just look at the tasks based on the map you're playing on. That would be interesting. Mm -hmm. That'd be interesting too. Well, I'll have to play around with that and see functionally how it works. I mean, unfortunately, I'm kind of past a lot of specific testable quests. So if someone's questing in the, you know, in the late teens, early twenties, this would be a good one. Leave some episode feedback. Let us know like, you know, how this is working for you. Yeah. But even if it's just in raid, I agree. I think early on, this will be an amazing change because you don't have to scroll all over the place trying to figure out what else you could do. Maybe you're in shoreline and you're pretty confident that you could roam the map safely. It would be really cool to go to current location and be like, okay, what else could I do here? which this is going to lend itself to that. So that's really neat. I like this change. I'm excited to see how it actually works. Same. So the next one is actually really cool. I know I know you're going to appreciate this one, but on the flea market, the message item already purchased has been moved to a notification instead of a pop-up window. Oh, can't tell you how many times. Oh, it's so annoying and everyone runs into this. You know, you're buying you're trying to buy the cheapest thing and now it's just gonna say sorry item not available in red letters in the bottom right corner and let you move along your merry way which is about time oh come on (laughs) yeah that was a really bad pop-up this is a great great quality of life change yeah i totally agree this next item is when you double tap the voice line key aggressive phrases will be played as in combat i truthfully never use this so do you ever do much with voice line stuff in Tarkov? I never use it. So if you're a memer or voice line person, or if this is something you're really interested in, you might like this. I don't know much about this, to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't use them either. I've successfully recruited one other PMC to my side in labs when they didn't have a gun. 
and I had to fumble through voice lining. I think I even had to ask chat how to do it. <laughs> that tells you how often I use it. I don't know. I just, this is not something I do. So I would imagine this is kind of neat for people that use it, but I don't know. Yeah, same. So the next one is uh, when placing a new offer, the item selection window appears to the left. Yeah, so it doesn't cover up the pricing, I'm guessing, is kind of what they're going for. Does that make sense? It does. What I'm worried about is I often sell out of my scav junk box, and I specifically place the scav junk box on the very left side of the screen because of where the new offer screen comes up. But when you're selling out of a crate, the window doesn't close. So I'm curious if this is just when you push that add new offer from the blank flea market screen and not when you have cases open. But we'll see. I I think it's probably a requested change because I don't quite see the reason for this, but you're probably right. It's probably to not cover up the prices. That would be the only thing that kind of really makes sense. All right. There's now going to be icons for the experience that you get in a raid in the post raid screen. So that could be interesting to kind of figure out like, okay, how much was it worth to search the bodies? How much was it worth to search the crates? How much was it worth for my, you know, long, long range shot? I think that's kind of cool. I think that would be kind of interesting to break down what is worth it and what's not and kind of help you make better decisions in raid about what you're willing to take a chance to accomplish. Uh, This is a great thing. I wish this was in when I was starting to play because I really had no concept of what gave me experience. And in my mind, I was like, the more things I kill, the more experience I get. But I recently learned, I mean, it was not this white, but near the end of the last one, I didn't realize that I should just be hitting the search button on enemies that my teammates downed because you got search experience based on the item value on that scav or player. And that was worth a tremendous amount of experience by just searching, not even taking the loot, but just tapping them is what we call it. I'm going to tap that body because it gives you a lot of experience. So this is probably a really good thing, especially for someone that's trying to figure out like, okay, I'm level 22 and I'm trying to get to 24 or 25 for a trader or whatever. Uh, Being able to break down where you're getting your experience is a big deal. It's kind of weird that it's not already that way. And I know that there's the little notifications while you're in raid on the bottom right. But when you're in the heat of the moment and you're trying to survive and loot and do all of that, you're not paying attention to the number of experience you get for moving an item into your bag and then throwing it. Like you just, that's just not something you care about until way, way later. So this is great. Great quality of life change. There's a couple really nice ones and this is one of them. Yep, I agree. Okay, so now we're going to get into the changes. They've added Steam Audio back. After some fixes to that, we have a new thermal imaging rendering system. The new system is going to allow further dynamic temperature changes, so heating and cooling. And as I think on this, there was a leak a while back about a stimulant that was going to reduce body temperature. So we could see that making its way into the game. Maybe some clothing or camouflage that reduces heat signatures. It sounds like they're setting the game up to potentially bring in some new camouflaging mechanics as it relates to heating and cooling, which I think could be really neat. And then also related to thermals, they've optimized the performance when using a thermal imager or a thermal imaging site. With that comes some pretty exciting stuff that I know you were excited to talk about. 
Yeah, with thermals, I think it's super interesting. They're going for this idea that you're going to be able to reduce your thermal signature by wearing a larger backpack or a rig that covers more of your body. Basically, you'll be able to be a harder to see dot by having things that cover up where the thermal would pick up heat. I think that's kind of interesting. I wonder how it's actually going to play out. I think it's cool because right now, if you have a big backpack on, you just look like a bigger target in a thermal. True. If you have the couch on, they're just going to look like you have a couch on and you're going to get shot at in a bigger silhouette, right? I think this is a great change. Yeah, I'm excited to see this one play out as well, especially what they're going to do with development on it. I think if they put things in the game to allow for countering of the heat signature, that's just going to allow for really interesting decisions to be made. I like that. And it's not going to affect every raid, but there may be times when you really want to be prepared to fend against a thermal, depending on the task you're working on or the gear you take in. I just think it adds for a neat, high-tier, probably, uh, gameplay element to think about. So I think it's going to be a good change. The next one's kind of an interesting one. Uh, Fences offers are no longer going to be displayed on the flea market. And this is one that when I first read it, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. You know, now you'll have to kind of search fence if you want to try to gamble and find something that someone sold to him. But I immediately thought of the task that requires you to turn in a 6B43 armor from 0 to 50%. And the way I've done this every time was spam refreshing the flea market until someone sold one to fence that was zeroed out or had a low hit point. So that's no longer going to be possible to get that task done, which is the only one I think that this really affects as far as my gameplay. So I'm curious what other, if any, effects you think this might have on on regular flea market kind of use. I think it's interesting because sometimes you can snipe a quest item the fence is offering for a low price so that's that's there sometimes fence will offer like a graphics card for cheaper you know or or an item that's being inflated due to demand fence will sometimes offer it cheaper because somebody sold it to fence and didn't know how the flea market system works yeah super interesting yeah and you're right that's how right so if someone sells something to fence he turns around and resells it or lists it for people to buy so Yep. So that's the only area where I think this really is going to come into play. Yeah, agreed. And maybe there's some other ones we're missing, but I <laughs> that task is going to get much harder uh, with the 6B43 for sure. And then I'm sure there's some other ones that we're not thinking of, but no longer will you be able to spam refresh on graphics cards to try to get someone who sold one to fence. <laughs> so no more, uh, no more fence sniping unless you want to scroll through his massive window of random garbage. Mostly garbage, maybe, is a better way to say that. The next one is just exciting for me. Uh, Rain sound is now 30% quieter. The (laughs) rain was so loud. Like, it just, it's unnecessarily loud. I'm glad they figured that out. I agree, especially in some of the buildings, like Interchange specifically, when it was heavy rain just made the inside of the mall kind of miserable because you got that kind of low ambient noise of the rain. Yeah, the mall's probably not in great shape, so water's probably coming through, but it seemed like it was way louder than it needed to be. So I'm really excited for this. I I didn't have any rain in any of the maps that I played since it went live. 
So if they remove rain entirely, I'd be fine with that too. That might not be a popular opinion, but weather effects are not something I particularly enjoy in FPS. But uh, I know that from a, an immersion and variable gameplay, it's, it's a thing, but I'm just, I'm not a fan of it. I don't like fog. I don't like rain. That's me. Might not be everybody. Yeah, I'm just glad the rain's quieter. I probably don't have as strong of an opinion against the weather effects in general. I think it makes the game kind of interesting in the outdoor maps and also stops people from sniping you just from all the way from wherever. I guess unless they have a thermo, maybe. But it definitely stops some of that long-range sniping, or at least is a good counter to it. If it would just not rain when I'm trying to do Shooterborn in Heaven, I'd be cool. I'd be great. <laughs> you know, oh, open a ticket. I'm doing Shooter Born in Heaven now. Please stop the rain. Click. Nikita, please. Done. All right. We'll see if Nikita answers my distress call. (laughs) The strength and endurance bonuses have been reduced uh, pretty significantly from what I've been hearing. I think you actually uh, watched Pestley's videos on this, so you might be able to speak to it a little more in detail, but I think this was targeted primarily at the people that had the uh, mastery level skill, but I think overall it got changed as well. Yep, it's, you know, 10 to 20% less for sure on basically all the way around on strength and endurance. I don't think the majority of the player base is going to notice. Uh, If you are a very high time player and you've made it to max strength and max endurance, you are for sure going to notice. My guess is you're not the majority of the player base at this point, so... Uh, yeah, that's my opinion on that. How about, what do you think? I kind of agree, right? I have max endurance. I don't have max strength, but it does take a focused effort to get these things to mastery level. From what I saw when I logged in, the main one that I noticed was the additional 150% stamina was dropped to 75% additional stamina on the endurance mastery. They halved that bonus multiplier. So that's, that's a big one, but Again, I think that's a that's a flat addition, so it, I think it's still worth going for if you can. But uh, yeah, if you had it, you're going to notice it. I still think it's going to be just a pretty big jump from, you know, even a player that's got like level 40 endurance to somebody who has a mastery endurance. I think it's going to be pretty noticeable that the person has mastery. So I do think you're right. I think the number of people that this directly affects is probably pretty low right now. These are the kinds of things that I would love the stats on. Like what percentage of the player base has both strength and endurance maxed right now? I gotta imagine it's really small. It may feel high because some of the people that we all watch on Twitch or YouTube or whatever, they, they have it. But I don't think the majority of the player base was scratching the door of having both of these maxed. But I, I could be wrong on that, but I just, I highly doubt it. Nope, they're not. <laughs> Guarantee they're not. So I don't think it's going to be a huge deal. <laughs> it might be a huge deal for your favorite streamer, but it won't be for you. So don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> They've adjusted player spawns on customs. There's one in particular that seems to be extremely close to the dorms. And it's right by the smuggler's boat, Xfil, And you can now get to dorms really fast from that one. I saw a few people doing this today, and it's it's extraordinarily quick to dorms, which kind of changes the whole concept on the map now. Because if you don't have that spawn, I think approaching dorms is going to be very, very different now. Yep. You are literally spawned 
within probably less than a minute, less than 60 seconds, you're in the mark room and out. That's going to be huge because whoever gets that wins, it's going to create a lot more PvP on the way out of the mark room area. So you may not necessarily be able to get anything good out of the mark room, but you definitely are going to catch some people coming out in any direction that they go because that spawn is in the middle. So you are going to be surrounded if you get that spawn. And even if you choose not to PvP or not to directly engage in PvP right away, in the marked room area, you still are going to have to deal with all kinds of mess all around you. Yeah, and and this is going to have a bigger impact than just the dorms and the marked room. And the way I think about this is that they radically changed the choke points that are available in the early game on customs. And what I mean by that is a player that spawns at the smuggler's boat could, yes, go to dorms, get there very quick, hit the marked room and get out or get to dorms, hold a position, and shoot people coming in. But it's also now the closest spawn to the skeleton building, which is that concrete building just across the street from dorms that's kind of wide open and has basically angles on the entire middle of the map. So skeleton will now be occupied quicker or potentially occupied quicker. And that means they can also get to stronghold which is the big concrete building in the middle of the new expansion area of customs very quickly as well. So this means that, you know, if you're used to spawning in an area and running into the middle of the map, whether you're going to crack house or stronghold or skeleton or dorms, the choke points have been radically altered because of one spawn position. So Proceed with caution on customs because players will be in new areas faster than you have ever seen before, and it just moves the choke points, right? So if somebody spawns at this new location and you spawn near old gas station and you're both sprinting into the middle of the map, you guys will encounter each other much quicker than when the spawn locations were further towards the edge of the map. So it's going to be different and just prepare for those choke points to change And some of the old ones may not exist anymore if you were really familiar with running around in the beginning of the map. So it's just something to think about. This is a pretty big change for a map that's had pretty static spawns for a very long time. Yep, absolutely. I think it's going to shake it up a little bit and going to be super interesting. Okay, other thing. (laughs) This one cracks me up too. They increased the hideout management leveling speed if you have solar batteries block already built. And this is one that like I benefit from this because I have solar built. I never once thought about my hideout management skill leveling slower because I had solar built, which causes fuel to last longer. So so I'm just like, all right, who got upset about this one and got this one through to battle state? I I just don't think this is a big problem, but I intend to get hideout management uh, mastery level this wipe, but I was laughing at this one because this one feels like somebody close to battle state had a very specific gripe with the hideout. There was a nerd who was very unhappy about this particular <laughs> situation. Now, he did probably spend like $25 million rubles getting solar so there i mean there's there's a uh there's a scale here there's an impact scale because uh solar is expensive and if it hurts your progression to get solar i guess 
I <laughs> I just this one made me laugh because I just would have never thought about it that way. Yeah, I agree. I, I I absolutely agree. I would have never thought about it this way either. But <laughs> so so the final changes that they made they simplified the attention skill progression. They simplified the mag drill skill progression. And then they also fixed the or changed the missing items from a scav after the end of the raid. So if you exfil and you were missing items went from your scav when you exfilled, they have changed that. It sounds like they've fixed it as well. All right. They fixed a bunch of other stuff. We're going to hit some of the highlights, which we think are interesting. Uh, first one is the high volume of breathing of some Baron Yusek voices. It's <laughs> uh, kind of interesting. <laughs> I mean, breath noise in some instances was really loud and really was not fun. So this is one that I I don't know that I'll actively notice, but I probably appreciate it in a way. So, yeah, it definitely got obnoxious. So, I mean, that that's a thing, right? And uh, it's going to be interesting to see. We'll see how much we notice it when we actually play. Yeah. Uh, The lighting issue and spawning on interchange. Now, was that the one where you spawn in the middle of the mall? And if the, the lighting could be really messed up when you spawn in the middle of the malls. I actually don't know what the issue was. I thought, I don't know if it was like no shadows or it was really bright or something. I I actually don't know. Yeah, that's the only lighting issue that I'm aware of that people would complain about is when you spawn in the middle of the mall, things are messed up. So they fixed a lighting issue when spawning an interchange. Let's hope that is the one. Error 228, if the filter and while crafting a purified water, I actually ran into this. Have you ever run into this when you're making purified water and you get like a weird error? I ran into this in my hideout. I'm actually happy that's fixed. Oh, you know what I have? I ran into this a lot. Mm -hmm. It was actually obnoxious and it kicked you all the way back out to the menu screen, right? Yep, exactly. The car extract sometimes fails to load or to trigger at the end of the exfil timer. I can't say I don't think this has ever happened to me. Every time I've used a car extract, I think it's worked. Has this ever happened to you? It hasn't, but if I was trying to use the car extract and I got to the end and it didn't go or didn't work, I would be uh, mad. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that would be unfortunate as you got shot. Uh, Okay, so car extract fix. That's awesome. Bots not spawning in the factory offline in horde mode. Yes. So now we can play some factory offline uh, horde mode. So this is my favorite way to warm up to play Tarkov, and it wasn't available. Going into an offline raid with like 10 mags full of ammo, and you go factory, offline mode, AI set to as in-game, or as online, I think it is, and then you set it to marked and cursed and horde mode, and you would get to just slay scav after scav after scav. It's not just to kill a bunch of scavs, but it was a really good like headshot aim trainer and scav movement trainer and all that kind of stuff. So if you're looking for a way to like warm up and practice headshotting, especially if you play other FPS games in addition to Tarkov, I highly, highly recommend doing a run of offline factory, horde mode on, difficulty as online, and just trying to hit as many headshots as you can before jumping into a raid takes, you know, five or six minutes and you'll get overwhelmed by the number of scabs that come around. But it's just, it's a great mode. I'm glad they brought it back. I think it's one of the best ways to warm up for a session of Tarkov out there. Yeah, I've done that too. And I actually really enjoyed using it as basically an aim trainer. That's what I've done with it. I've used it as an aim trainer. Exactly. Yep. 
Various places and locations where it rained indoors. Now this I'm actually interested to see if they fix because nighttime interchange, it always rains in Goshen and it rains in the middle of the mall. And I'm kind of excited to see if they've fixed uh, some of these different places where it's raining indoors because it'd be weird. You'd walk around the corner and then all of a sudden you'd see a bunch of raindrops and like, wait a minute, there's no hole in the wall. It's just raining inside. So obviously they missed uh, a piece of that. Yeah, it'll be another good one to see and and how it works. The next kind of big fix or change or however you want to say it, uh, they did a lot of work on the AI this patch. So I'm going to kind of rattle these off. So the bots on the move now shoot even less accurately than bots that are stationary. The parameters have been changed for the effect of bushes on the visibility of bots. So they now see worse when bushes are in the line of sight. It slowed down the reaction of normal bots when detecting the player. They changed parameters of player tracking at the last point, so bots follow the point less, meaning if you run behind cover, they're not going to be following that same area as often. The maximum enemy detection radius of bots has been reduced. Bots will no longer fire when changing position to prone, so they're not going to drop shot anymore. They'll still prone and shoot at you, but not while they're dropping. They fixed bosses spawning in when they could appear without guards. They fixed some behavior when the boss did not attack an enemy in offline mode. The sniper bot spawns have been fixed, and they've had some other server-related bugs that they fixed as well. So lots of changes to scavs. I, I, I played some factory. I played an interchange. The detection speed is noticeable. It's not major. But you have a little bit more time before they detect you. And then you get that signature scav yell. And I think that's really interesting because I noticed that scav seemed a lot harder. We actually talked about that at the beginning of this wipe, that the changes they made to scabs were pretty significant and pretty punishing, really. I mean, I got absolutely headshot by a ton of scavs this wipe and i just i felt like i got worse at the game for a while until i kind of figured it out so i think this one's gonna feel good all around what do you think about the ai changes i think so too because the scavs were man every now and then you would just get a laser scav you're like come on man there's no way (laughs) like what are you doing right Every now and then you would just get a laser, laser beam of a scav coming at you. And I definitely experienced a bit of that uh, this wipe too. So it's not that I think that the scavs were too hard. It just, it's just that their ability to see you, lock onto you and shoot at you before you really could see them was a bit out of balance. So I'm glad they're making these changes. I'm glad they recognize that this was an area that really needed to be tweaked. So I'm all for it. Yeah, there's one specific spot that I'm excited to explore. I really liked this spot on the hill above the power station on Shoreline in between the power station and resort. And it was kind of the first hill or the first ledge of the hill there on the east side of the map. And there's a bunch of bushes there. And I always thought that was a cool place to like prone or crouch and just kind of scout around. And I started noticing that If you were prone in that bush, regularly, the scavs on the ground level inside of power station, which is like 60 to 80 meters away, would regularly start shooting at me. It just felt like I shouldn't be in range of these guys. So I'm curious to see if that spot is now available to hold a little more. 
because I like it as a info gathering spot. And it's a it's a really good place to snipe and, and hang out on shoreline. So uh, that's the spot I really want to check out. And I'm sure there's some other ones. And I'd love to know if you find a spot that, you know, you couldn't use because the scavs would detect you and either shoot at you or give you away. But I bet there's a lot of those that become available again. So that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Definitely looking forward to checking some of that out. Well, they also added a bunch of optimization changes to the game and to the way that the game engine works in your video RAM and the way that the game runs on your system. And I wanted to take a minute and just touch on this because there are a few major things. First of all, in the game FPS menu, you're going to notice that the limit went from 120 to 144. And this is more significant if you have a little bit better system. You can frame lock to 144 to your monitor if you have a 144 megahertz monitor. This is very common in other FPS games, and this is something Tarkov now has the ability to do. I just realized that I was getting some skipping earlier, and I didn't realize that the FPS limit changed. And I wonder if that's why I was getting that little bit of skipping I was telling you about while we were playing. It could be. I still run mine unlocked. So I run mine with VSync checked because remember in Tarkov, it's backwards. So I run mine with VSync checked on and still see quite a bit more. You know, I still see a lot of framework. I still see a lot of frames. So I, I don't really know what, you know, what, what we could change. We, we're going to do some testing with this. Who knows? We may even release a companion video for this just because of how big of a change this is. Now, I want to talk a little bit about MIP streaming. You're going to see this new setting down in the bottom right-hand corner of your video section called MIP streaming. And this is the new checkbox. This is the thing that they've been talking about that is turned off by default. But if you check this box, it's supposed to take the load off of your CPU and dump that to your video processor. What it does is it basically puts a limit on the amount of textures that can load. It kind of takes a budget of memory for textures and it loads only to that point and then starts dumping textures it doesn't need. And that's the technical explanation of it. But in layman's terms, it just makes your video card take more of the work of rendering what's immediately closer to you on the screen. Because the game will render the things closest to you first and then render the things farther out after that. And so I did some playing today with MIP streaming turned on and it definitely does push your graphics card to a much higher setting. Now, this is something you need to think about if you're a streamer and you have a single PC streaming setup and you're going to try to stream Tarkov, you're going to run into a situation running like Streamlabs or something to capture your video and stream with it. It's not going to work. It's going to probably kill your stream quality down to basically nothing. So if you're doing that or if you're trying to record your gameplay, you have to consider that too, because I would not recommend trying to record gameplay on the same computer that you're playing Tarkov on with this enabled. Because remember, OBS is going to say, hey, I'm going to use NVEC for encoding the video to take some of the load off of your processor so you can play the game. And all of that is just going to be too much for your video RAM to handle. And if it gets to 100%, it's just going to tear and you'll see screen blocks and things like that. So this MIP stream setting is great if you are a regular player, not streaming, not recording. Click on that MIP setting, turn it on, and it's going to make a huge difference in the quality of your Tarkov experience. This is really cool. I, it's super interesting to me that they got this in there and our brief testing of it showed that 
it, it does ramp your GPU up. So it'll be cool to do some more in-depth testing on this and see just what it can push out by enabling it. So pretty stoked for this. It's kind of neat. Yep. And one other quality of life thing related to this too is make sure you're running Tarkov on an SSD if you can. Make sure you have Tarkov installed on an SSD. There's a more advanced setting of moving your Windows swap file to an SSD. Not going to go over that now, but that's something maybe we'll make a video on in the future about how to do that as part of additional optimization for Tarkov. Well, that's about it. I see the green bar flashing, which means we have made it past the Exfil Campers grenades. We have made it through the list of changes. We are now on our way out, but before we disappear, we want to say thank you to everyone who's listening and let you know how you can get in touch with us. You can follow me on Twitter at Ronald Gaming. You can always catch up with me in Discord, just tag at Ronald or tag MTB. We're always checking Discord all day long. And that's the best way to get a hold of everyone in the community to answer your questions or shoot over a question to one of us directly. We'll respond eventually, <laughs> promise. Uh, other than that, a couple times a week, I hang out in MTB Trigger's stream on Twitch when he streams in the afternoon on twitch.tv slash MTB Trigger. We talk about games, other fun stuff, just hang out in the community. Lastly, if there's something you'd like to get to the show that's more formal, the business contact for the XFIL podcast and all the other IPs that belong to XP Media is xpmedia2020 at gmail.com. And as for me, you can find me a couple days a week on Twitch, like Ronald said, at twitch.tv forward slash MTB Trigger. And I'm also on Twitter and Discord, just at MTB Trigger, just about anywhere, and you'll find me. I tend to lurk more than I should, so you can usually find me uh, if, you sh if you tag me. And I always like to say, don't be afraid to tag us. We always respond when we can. We do a lot of editing and recording and stuff like that, so we may not be able to get right back to you, but we try to do it as quickly as possible. So do not hesitate to tag us. If you think we need to see something, you want our opinion on something, uh, we're happy to give it just about anywhere. So feel free to do that. And we really, really enjoy uh, just all the interaction that we're getting on YouTube, Twitch, and, and on the podcast. So just, again, I'll echo what Eric said. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. Uh, it's just been a real pleasure to kick this year off as strong as we have. So thank you. One last ask before we let you go. If we've earned a five-star review or earned a thumbs up or earned a notification bell on, on YouTube, whatever platform you are either watching or listening to the show on, please go ahead and do that. It helps all the algorithms for all the different services spread the show across as many people as possible, which just makes our community larger and better. But that's about it for this week. Good luck in all of your raids. Good luck in 12.10. Hope you have a great time out there, and we'll see you next week. Good luck, everybody. See you out there. Thank you.